seven years. I was fortunate to be the associate pastor at Tacoa Falls College for the college, and at the same time to be the associate pastor of the church that met on the campus, Campus Community Church. And in that seven-year period of time, I was so fortunate and blessed to serve under two pastors, first Dr. Les Morgan and then Dr. Jeff Gangle. The learning was rich and the learning was wonderful. We originally went to Tacoa Falls, Donna and I and the kids, uh, much younger than they are today. We originally went to Tacoa Falls so that I could complete my um, undergraduate degree. I thought that by going there it would be a catalyst, a stepping stone, if you will, for me to uh, continue into higher education and perhaps teach at the collegiate level on one day. That's not exactly the plan God had for my life. It was the plan I thought I had, but it wasn't. And in that period of time, in those seven years, we, we were both in college and then working full time for the church and for the campus. And most of that time uh, on the college uh, campus, we lived in a double-wide double home. It was a wonderful time of life. We uh, lived in what was called Mobile Heights at Tacoma Falls College. It was a collection of, of uh, adult couples, married with lots of children. It was just a rich time. Uh, about halfway through our time into the city of Tacoma, we moved from the college campus to the city. We became townies. You either lived on the campus and you, you uh, worked there and you thrived there, or you became a townie and we moved into town and we uh, uh, bought a hillside home. It overlooked the city of Tacoa. And uh, it was uh, quite nice at night, as a matter of fact. You could, from the side of from the, from the uh, break room in the house, you could see the city of Tacoa and the lights in the city. And on the back of the porch or the back of the house was a deck. It was a lovely deck, so I'm told, because I didn't go on the deck often. Uh, because we were on a hillside, you can imagine the steepness of a potential hill. And so the deck, from the level of the deck to the ground, two and a half stories maybe, maybe three stories. It was quite the hillside. I didn't spend much time on the deck. My family and my loved ones know that I'm afraid of heights. So if I did venture out on the deck, and I did on a couple of occasions, I stayed next to the wall. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of use out of that deck. Oh, it was lovely to look at. My family would go out there. I can even remember having a group of guys from the college come over. We had dinner out there, and I didn't go more than three feet from the door to the house into the deck. I'm afraid of heights. Have been for quite some period of time. Don't know the genesis, doesn't matter. But in that fear bridled me. It bridled my use of a deck, certainly, but it bridled beauty. Because if I had ventured out just a little further, if I weren't constrained by fear, if I had just gone a little bit further, I could have seen even more. Because Curraheen Mountain is off to the right-hand side, and you had to get closer to the edge of the deck just to see the Curraheen Mountain. And it's quite stunning and quite remarkable to see. But I didn't because of fear. But not only was I bridled because of the fear, but so was my family. We didn't spend a lot of enjoyable time out there. I think Donna thought that when we uh, bought the house that we would, and I think I may have promised, or I may have said, or I may have indicated, oh, sure, we'll go out there, we'll have dinner out there. We'll have a cup of coffee out there. 
we'll enjoy that deck and the view that it gives us. And no, it didn't work out quite that way. So fear sometimes causes us to bridle ourselves and to bridle others. But the good news of the gospel and the good news of God's word in general is that God gives us an antidote for fear. It's not exactly what you'd expect. And so in our study of God's word this morning, we're going to look at the antidote for fear. We're going to first of all look at what fear is and uh, two or three examples of fear. Fear that you might realize in your own lives or that you're familiar with in the lives of others. And then we're going to talk about the antidote for fear. And there are three aspects to God's antidote or medicine, if you will, for fear for us who are Christ followers. Uh, so I invite you this morning, um, I invite you to take a pen and a paper. Not that anything that I say is uh, noteworthy, but what God might say to you may be worth a note or two. Because as Christ followers, fear is sometimes very present in our lives in a number of different dimensions. But before we do anything else... Let's ask God to be with us today. So, Father, you know that we're here, and you know that this time is appointed for a time in your word. And, um, and, and God, thank you for, uh, for your people and for their diligence in your word. And thank you, God, for trusting us to sing your word and to read your word and then to live your word. And so in this matter of fear, God, we thank you for your word and its testimony to our hearts this day in this place. And we'd ask, God, that you would touch the hearts of your people who might be afraid and give them confidence in your ability to meet them where they are. Tarry with us, God, for these few minutes that we might have a blessing from your word is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the title, if you would, for this morning is, um, uh, But Why Are You Afraid? And it's coming out of conversations that God and I are having. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, in, in, when, you're, when you're reading God's Word to others, you, it's best to do what you know. Uh, being out on a limb and trying something unique and something unfamiliar in front of God's people is not always the best strategy. So I tend to bring forward what I know. And the conversation I'm having with God is, God, um, uh, this is worrying me. God, my business is worrying me. God, travel is worrying me. God, this is worrying me. That is worrying me. And, and I keep getting the word back from God. I understand. But tell me again why you're afraid. Tell me again why that causes fear for you. Uh, and so uh, this morning, our launching verse is uh, Isaiah 41.10. It's a wonderful Old Testament passage and the actual text is now on screen in front of you. For those of you with God's word, you may want to turn it. If you don't, we're going to go through several scriptures this morning. You may want to make note of it because this is the tender heart of God. He's talking to his people in the Old Testament. He's talking to the children of Israel and he is in a tender voice, in a kind voice, in a fatherly voice. He's saying, don't be afraid. And then he not only says, don't be afraid, but he tells them why they should not be afraid, because I'm with you. Um, don't be frightened, for I am your God, and I strengthen you, and I help you, and I uphold you with my saving right hand. 
God in his tenderness and in his mercy is saying to us as Christ followers in our day, don't be afraid, for I am with you. And how is Christ with us today? Well, obviously through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not left alone. We'll see a scripture in a few moments about the advocate that Christ sent for us, and that advocate is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is not just a presence, it's not a spirit, it is a person who lives and is vibrant within us, as equal and vibrant as God was to the children of Israel in this particular text. But when we talk about fear, we might have a baseline of understanding, and so a baseline of understanding is that fear is an unpleasant emotion. <laughs> uh, that's to say the least. Fear sometimes is unpleasant. And, and when we're afraid, what happens to us? We become nervous. We become anxious. And some of, the, some of the synonyms of fright and horror and true fear, they become real in our lives. And how do we know that we're afraid? Well, sometimes our, our, our heart rate changes. And sometimes we breathe differently. And sometimes we literally shake when we are afraid and when we're fearful. And God is saying to us, do not be afraid. Because I'm with you. And in the New Testament, the Christ followers, you and me, do not be afraid because I provided the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. But that's easier said than done. And there, there are reasons why we, you and I as Christ followers, there are reasons that we are afraid. And sometimes those reasons have to do with, uh, with loss. Uh, they have to do with loss of possessions. They have to do with loss of control, and ultimately they have to do with loss of life. Uh, if you were uh, in Denver, Colorado this week, you would have seen this out your window. This is a hospital. These are office buildings. This is no different than Northside Forsyth or Northside Atlanta or St. Joseph's or any. This is a place of care and treatment, of healing. And for this week in Denver, it was also a place that was filled with fear because of a pending tornado. The fear doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. The fear can be personal. I grew up in a home where my mother and father both were children of the Depression. Uh, they knew want. They knew need. And how did that translate? Well, um, as we were going through things in mom and daddy's house, and Donna, we didn't go through things. Donna went through things. St. Donna uh, went through things at mom and daddy's house. There are jars of screws. Jars of screws. I don't mean just one. I don't mean just two. I mean rows of them. When you do without and you do receive, you don't want to let go. And so the loss of possessions is important for people who did without. That's why at the dinner table, they would say, clean your plate. They knew a time when there was little on the plate. Now, the attending issue with that in this culture today is that I still, I should be over that by now, but you can look and see I'm not quite over cleaning my plate. <laughs> I guess I could have a little intake on the plate, and then it wouldn't be so bad, and I could clean my plate. But no, I fill my plate, and then hear my mother's words in the back of my head, clean that plate. We, we are afraid of losing possessions. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as a tornado bearing down on you or your home. It does have to do with the whole concept and the whole matter of what we might be afraid of. And we might be afraid of losing possessions 
or things that are important to us. We might be afraid of loss of control. In 1978, in June of 1978, the anniversary is coming, uh, there was an automobile accident. I was in an automobile accident. I was actually on the way taking money for some dinner here at this church. I was on my way to the Reeser's home and there was a curve before you get to their subdivision. And in that curve, on a slick road, I was going too fast. And I slid up under a dump truck. Now, by God's grace, I opted out of my seatbelt on that day. It's such a thing I would never do today, nor do I encourage my children to do such a thing today. Do not do that. But on that particular day, the impact threw me into the back seat. Had I had a seatbelt on, I surely would have suffered worse. Have you been in an automobile accident that is out of your control? A rain-slick road, even when you're hydroplaning, you don't have to be in an accident, but you're out of control and you don't, and you, and you steer or, or snow or ice. That's a great feeling that we have when we lose control. That loss of control for you might not be an automobile accident at all. It might be panic. It might be a panic attack. It might be the way your emotions are wired within you so that you fear losing control of thoughts or thinking. Uh, it might be just the way that your life is. It seems a bit chaotic. It seems a bit out of control. It seems like it's lacking purpose. And ultimately, it just may feel like a loss of control. We, we see that when people go to new jobs. We see people when they retire. We see people in the loss of loved ones. We see people often in loss of control. So we have fear as Christ followers when it comes to our possessions. Not that we're holding them that tightly, but because they are important to us and they represent us. We have fear of loss of control as Christ followers. When things don't go according to plan or according to our plan, we sometimes fear loss of control and then we fear loss of life. And while this photograph is a beautiful spring day at Arlington Cemetery, please make no mistake about it. It has everything to do with the loss of life because on the left is my brother and on the right is my mother. And whether that is a personal loss or whether that is Memorial Day and we're thinking about the thousands, yes, hundreds of thousands who've given of themselves the highest possible gift, it's still loss of life. And the reality is that loss of life creates fear and not only the fear of what we're going to do after loss of life, but when you reach a certain age, you fear your own loss of life. But then God's word steps in. And God says to us, just as he said in Isaiah 41.10, in a tender heart and in a tender way to those of us who follow him, do not let your heart be troubled. Or in this text from the New English, do not let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe in Jesus. Later he says in the same passage, God and I are one. And he talks about the many dwelling places and preparing a place for us. So from God's word, whether we see loss of life as in 
impending or possible, whether it's a thought for us at all, God's word is very clear. He's taken care of that. And more importantly, for 1 Corinthians 15, God is taking care of the loss of possessions and the loss of control and the loss of life all in one place. If we read his word, it says, but when this perishable, that's you and me, when this perishable changes to, to imperishable, well, what is perishable? Our possessions are perishable. Our control is perishable. Our life is perishable. And so God says to us through the Apostle Paul, good news, when this transformation occurs, when you go from imperishable and mortal to immortality, great news, there is no power in death and there's no power in grave. Now, none of this is new information. I started with a simple example that said, I'm afraid of heights. You might be afraid of snakes. You might be afraid of ants. You might be afraid of financial collapse. You might be afraid that your memory is not quite what it once was, or that you're not quite able to get around as you once did. You might be afraid of a family member. You might be afraid of financial ruin. You might, whatever your fear is, the good news of the gospel and the good news of the Bible in general and God's word in general is that he provides for us in a way that makes sense to us. He says that we are perishable and our fears are perishable, that we are going to transform into imperishable. And in that transformation, he himself conquers death and can conquer fear. So, the reality then is, uh, the antidote for fear is not courage. Uh, our son, Wesley, uh, is uh, stationed with our daughter, uh, Sarah, and our three grandsons in Virginia Beach. And Wesley's a naval officer, and this week he and I traded text and conversation about basic training. And for those of, uh, for those of you who stood today and, uh, and, and allowed us to recognize you for your service to our country, we give you our heartfelt thanks. And I spoke to Wesley and asked Wesley about basic training. And I said, Wesley, would you tell me, did they teach your courage in basic training in the Navy? He said, no, Dad. I said, well, help me understand. You were gone for quite some period of time. It was a very important process that you had to pass in order to still be in the Navy and pass in order to be an officer in the Navy. What did they teach you? Well, he said, Dad, they taught us trust. Trust in self saves lives. Trust in peers saves lives. They taught us trust. And so when God says to us in Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid. The anecdote for you and me is not courage. The anecdote for you and me is trust. Uh, but I would say not just any kind of trust. I would say that it's really about trust in the Lord. And Psalm 27, 14 says, Trust in the Lord and be strong. Let your heart take courage. Trust in the Lord. So when we're confronted with a scripture that says, Don't be afraid, and we look in the mirror and we say, Oh my gosh, I am afraid. The, the, the courage is the least of our concerns at that moment. The old phrase that my parents use with me and people have heard with, use with me for years when I get a little wobbly, they 
and say, well, buck up, buddy. That's not what God is saying to us. He's saying, trust me. And I'll deal with your fears. And I think there are three places that we trust God. And this is where for your Monday and for your week you want to make note. So whatever fear you're facing, whatever's creating anxiety for you and for me, your trust points this week are in the promise of God. Your trust point this week is in the power of Christ. And your trust point this week is in the person of the Holy Spirit. So the great passage from Romans 8, I'll not read the whole, I'll not read the whole thing to you today. I can tell you on that, uh, on that December day in 1980, when in this very room, we celebrated the life of my brother, Ron, um, Ron used this text in an extraordinary way. And so if we think about the promise of God, really the promise is rooted in the whole concept in the latter part of Romans 8 where it talks about nothing will separate us from God's love, the love that is in Christ Jesus. And he lists here in the text here, and so if you read Romans 28 and following in your afternoon study or your study this week, you'll see that God really makes it possible through his promise that no aspect of creation is going to harm us. Now, it may feel like it, and it may cause anxiety and worry. Height, depth, life, death, no aspect of creation, according to the promise of God, prohibits us trusting him. So remember, we started with fear. We started with what fear might look like in the simple example of fear of heights. We talked about what fear is and gave a definition of fear. And then we talked about the aspects of fear for you and I as Christ followers. And that might be fear that we would lose our possessions and that we in some way would lose control of ourselves or our lives. Or we might lose our life in general. And that the antidote for that fear in those areas and others is trust. And the first aspect of trust is the promise of God that says nothing will separate us. Uh, the second aspect of trust, though, is in the power of Christ. And th that power is in uh, John 10. And John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, not only my hand, but no one will snatch them out of the Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. So our opportunity for trust is first of all in the promise of God that nothing will come to us to harm us. Oh, it, we'll have concern, we'll have anxiety, but our trust is secure in the promise of God. And our second point of trust is in the power of Christ. That nothing, none of us will be taken out of his hand. And finally, the power or person of the Holy Spirit. I think we often overlook the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. We use the word spirit in our world, in our vernacular as Christians and Christ followers. And sometimes spirit is that fuzzy, flimsy, that's not what this is at all. 
This is a person, and a person who's advocating for us, a person who sustains us in our time of fear and gives us the confidence to trust God. In this particular text from the New International Version, the Holy Spirit is called an advocate. And I'm asking the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him. But you know him, for he lives within you. Remember, if we go back to the original launching text of Isaiah 41.10, he says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. Trust me to overcome your fears and anxiety. Why? Because I am with you. So we have the promise of God for our Monday, that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. We have the power of Christ, that nothing will take us from the hand of Christ. And we have the person of the Holy Spirit, who literally indwells us and cares for us. So the reality is, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, so don't be afraid. And do not be discouraged. So how is he going before us? This is an Old Testament passage of Scripture. How has God gone before us? He's gone before us in the testimony of others. He's gone before us in providing people around us who may have the same fears and anxieties that we have and who've already walked that path. But most of all, God has gone before us in the three ways that we've talked about. He's gone before us with promise. God is very clear in his word, the promise of the saints, both uh, those in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that he has, moved, he has moved along a path in front of us. He's already at the destination, and he is trustworthy because of that promise. He is trustworthy because of the power that we find in Christ, and the power meaning that we are not going to be snatched out of his hand. And finally... We can trust him in the presence of a person. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, it's sometimes easier to face fears when you're with somebody. Uh, years ago, Donna's parents had a condominium in Naples, and it was on an upper floor. I don't know the floor. I never watched. I didn't like it. I didn't. It was kind of that uh, thing. You go up an elevator, and you get off on an open balcony to walk to the condo. And so the balcony is there, and it's this little flimsy railing, and I'm I'm inching my way against the wall. I'm not out overlooking because down below is the pool, and down below is the tennis court, and down below is beauty all around. No, I'm just sliding against the wall, trying to make it to the trying to make it to the door of the condominium. <coughs> and they, to this day, are laughing. I'm not even looking because I know they're giggling. But I was never alone. There's always family there. Oh, they laugh at me and say, "Oh, come on, Dad." But I knew they loved me, and they were already ahead of me. Because i got to tell you, when you're inching your way against the wall, they're already at the door, going in the door. They were ahead of me. The less 
is about trust. I'm so very blessed to teach a Sunday school class here. Oh, we meet at 9.15 on Sunday mornings. Please come. Uh, short commercial there. Uh, I'm blessed to do a Sunday school class and have been since last October. And I said to the class every Sunday as we're wrapping up, let's think about our Monday. Because I'm convinced if we could just make it through our Monday with what God gives us on Sunday, we have a better chance of having a great Tuesday. But sometimes as believers, we try to make our Sunday just kind of last till the next Sunday. And I, I say, no, God, please just get me through my Monday. And then I've got a better shot at a great Tuesday. And so the reality for your Monday and my Monday is full circle, conversation with God, where he answers us, but tell me again why you're afraid. So I don't know what you may be facing today. I don't know what your Monday's going to look like. I know some of us are struggling with illness and disease. I know some of us are struggling with elderly parents. I know some of us who have children who are looking for jobs. I know some of us who are retired and looking for things to do. I know some of us are, thought, are thinking about, about what they can remember and what they can't remember. And in those conversations that I know you have with God, I, I encourage you to bring those petitions to God. But I think the question he's going to ask us is, I understand you have cancer, but tell me why you're afraid. I understand that you don't have the job that you want to have. But would you mind telling me again why you're afraid? I understand your circumstance is not what you expected it to be at this place in your life, but tell me again why you're afraid. For our Monday, it's the question we can ask ourselves without waiting for Christ to ask us that question. So God, why am I afraid? And so, God, help me understand that you made a promise to me in your word that nothing will separate us. God, remind me often this week that Jesus said that as a Christ follower, I am in his hand and I am in your hand. And by no way am I going to come out. And God, this week, help me remember and understand like never before that the person I feel when I read your word is not a it's not a spirit. It's a person. And that person is very important in mitigating my fears and allowing me to trust you. God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for time with your people today. We thank you, Father, for the health and well-being to be here today. And Father, we thank you for an emotion that we call fear. It comes in a variety of forms for us as Christ followers. And yet, God, the anecdote is not be more courageous, is not to hide it, is not to set it aside, it's not even to deny it. God, the anecdote is trust. And in the passages we looked at today, God, you gave us ample reason to trust your promise to trust your power and to trust the person that you provided to guide our God continues to bless.
that may be a decision you'd like to make. But on today's, and, and there are those of us who are happy to talk to you about that. But for our time today, you know, this, uh, this altar is, 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 can be many things. It can be a place of celebration called a wedding. It can be a place of homegoing called a funeral. It can be a place of, of receiving people like you and me into the body of believers. It can be a place of decision and commitment. But I'd like it today to be a place of release. Because if you're worried about something or fearful of something, this might just be a way for you to demonstrate trust and to step forward and just come and say a word to God and then go right back to where you go, where you go. Uh, it may be an opportunity for those of us with some level of angst or anxiety just to come and to stand for a moment, have a word of prayer with God, and then to return to your seat. So as Bill leads us, that's the way I'd like to use our clothes this morning. An opportunity for you to come to a special place, leave with God whatever's troubling you, so that you have a great month.